Previously on Camp Dino, Bo, Zeta, and Kirby journeyed into the jungle in search of Gavin. After narrowly escaping sand traps and an ape wave, they came upon a small campsite. While exploring the area, a group of people wearing tribal masks entered the camp. Bo thought it was just Ash and the carnivores, but after removing the leader's mask, they learned that it was actually a group of tribal warriors. The warriors tried to take Buck, but before they could, dino dung bombs rained down from the trees, and the warriors fled. Dropping out of the tree was Gavin. He had been the one wearing the hunter's mask. Gavin agreed to come back to Camp Dino with them, and just as they were getting ready to leave, they found Ash and his goons stuck in a sand trap. And now for episode 12, Bag of Secrets. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Camp Dino. Bo had never spent enough time around Ash and his carnivores to realize what a bunch of wimps they actually were. He heard nothing but complaints and groans from them as they made their way through the jungle. They squealed at every hissing snake. They jumped at every pouncing frog. One of Ash's buddies, Butch, even started doing this weird crying grunt thing when he walked into a spider web. <laughs> Ash was at least trying to keep his cool, but Bo could tell he was still rattled from being stuck in the pit. Scanning his surroundings nervously, he held his injured raptor as if it were a purse poodle. Buck nipped at it and growled. Buck down, Bo ordered. The T-Rex obediently left the raptor alone and trotted alongside Bo, keeping a close eye on Ash and his dino. Ash glared back at him and was sure to keep his backside out of Jaws' reach. So, how long were you guys down there? Bo asked as they hiked. Too long, Buzzhead, Ash snapped. What took you guys so long to come find us anyway? Watch it, kid, Kirby growled chopping at ferns with his machete. We can easily throw you back in that pit. Oh yeah? Ash looked Kirby up and down. My parents are lawyers, and they're gonna sue your socks off once they hear what we've been through. Kirby turned to face him. It'll be hard to know who to sue if they can't find you. Kirby smiled maniacally before returning to chopping at ferns with dramatic emphasis. He whistled as he cut.
Ash scowled at him and swallowed. We actually weren't looking for you guys, Bo said. We came looking for Gavin. Gavin smirked. Ash looked appalled. You guys were looking for him? Yep, he's actually worth saving, Zeta said casually. To be fair, we didn't know you guys had gone missing. Todd, the roundest of Ash's friends, was grabbing fistfuls of leaves and stuffing them into his mouth. I'm starving, he said between chews. We haven't eaten in forever. Sorry, we ran out of food a couple of hours ago, Bo said. Those are poisonous, Gavin said, pointing to the leaves. Todd stopped, eyes wide, cheeks full, and started dramatically spitting. Huh? <laughs> I think I think I'm swelling up. Ash rolled his eyes. No, that's just how you look, Todd. Are you really not going to tell us what happened? Zeta asked them. Oh, sorry about that. She pulled on Shoot, Toot, and Scoot's leash. The triplets kept teaming up to poke the carnivores with their horns. <laughs> You can't make us say anything, Ash replied smugly. I know what happened. Everyone turned to look at Gavin, who had been not surprisingly silent for most of their hike. Do share, Bo encouraged. They've been wearing tribal masks and doing pranks on other campers. I've watched them from the trees. That's kind of creepy, Zeta whispered. Ash and his carnivores looked at each other anxiously. You've been spying on us, weirdo? Ash said. No, you guys are just sloppy pranksters, and you're too loud. Gavin didn't look even remotely phased by Ash and his goons. He threw a piece of food high up into the air, seemingly to no one, only to have Echo swoop in and catch it before flying out of view again. Might as well come clean, Kirby said, still chopping at ferns. Believe me, it's better to get it all out on the table. Trust me, I know. I've been to jail. A lot. He shot them another crazy eye and chopped extra hard. Ash and his goons created more distance between them and their furious counselor. Both thought that at the moment, Kirby was reminding him of Dr. Lovekin the day he'd snapped and pulled him through the jungle. Fine, Ash relented. So we were doing pranks. Big deal. That's like a summer camp staple. It's to be expected. Whoever can't handle it is just a sissy. Not at Camp Dino, Kirby said. We have a strict no-punk policy. Where'd you get the masks? Zeta asked. We found them at the campsite a couple weeks ago. They were just lying around, so we took them and wore them while we were messing around. Yesterday, when we came back to the campsite, those crazy tribal dudes came out of the jungle wearing masks, so we ran for it. We got stuck in the pit of sand that just dropped out from under us. I thought they were going to eat snuggles, his friend Jake whimpered, cuddling his fat spinosaurus that looked like a scaly pillow with little underdeveloped fin. Shut it, Jake, Ash barked. <laughs> Jake winced and squeezed his pudgy dino, making its eyes bulge. We didn't know those masks belonged to them, Ash went on. 
We thought maybe they belonged to kooky Dr. Lovkin or something. After we fell in the pit, the tribal people just came over and looked down at us, not saying a word, and then they left. Why didn't anyone tell us there were psychos like that out here? Um, that is a valid question, Bo inserted. Kirby ignored them. I finally have what I need to bust you, Ash. Since the first day you got here, you've been doing nothing but messing with the other kids. And I could never get there in time to see it. Mm -mm. But now, I've got enough to send you packing. Ash started rambling about his lawyer parents and about how they were going to shut down Camp Dino and expose everything they were doing there. Bo tuned him out, but still stared at him in awe. Why was Ash so contentious? Why was it so hard for him to just say, thank you? They just saved his life for crying out loud. And yet, here he was, still making threats and trying to bully a full-grown man. For once, Bo found himself wondering what it must have been like at home for Ash. Did they ever say sorry in their family? Did they argue all the time? Were they mean to each other? Maybe they called each other names. Bo would be the first to admit his family wasn't perfect. In fact, by most measures, they were a bunch of bona fide wackos. But they loved each other and were kind to each other. And now that he was standing here listening to Ash's angry rant, Bo realized that maybe there were a lot of kids who didn't have enough of that at home. Enough love and kindness. He found himself almost feeling bad for the kid. Gavin and Zeta had completely tuned out the ramblings as well. They walked ahead, just behind Kirby. So, Gavin said quietly, where's your knife? Zeta raised an eyebrow and smiled. Oh, so it's my knife now, is it? I thought you made those knives as a tribute to your favorite band, Bald Zombies. Gavin pushed his bangs out of his eyes. Maybe not. Zeta shook her head and chuckled. Tuku's got it. He stole it from me a few days ago. Tuku? Gavin looked super annoyed. That monkey's dead. Ah, if only, Zeta joked. They marched on through the jungle until finally, after one last chop from Kirby's machete, a rubber plant fell at their feet and Camp Dino was revealed. There was a kid wrestling with his gallimimus by the creek and a handful of campers playing a dangerous game of tag up in the treepees. Sloppy Joe was handing out fruit kebabs to a bunch of excited kids and dinos outside the gathering hut, and Bo almost ran over and kissed the ground, but he restrained himself. Buck and the triplets howled happily. Kirby led the way into camp and wouldn't let them stop for food at the galley. Instead, he took them straight into Mon Pa's yurt. Inside, Ma was taking a record off the record player, while Pa sat reading an old book in a fancy, oversized wingback chair. Gavin! Pa sprang to his feet. Ma joined him. Where have you been? Gavin shrugged. Out? We found him camping in the jungle, Kirby said. And these boys... He pointed to Ash and the carnivores, who were pushing each other as they stepped forward. We found them stuck in the bottom of a sand trap. Mon Pa's eyebrows shot up. Is that right? Pa said. Ash avoided Pa's intense gaze. They've been the ones putting on tribal masks and playing pranks on the other kids, Kirby continued. 
Unacceptable, Ma said, putting her hands on her hips. Everyone in the room, especially Ash and his goons, looked like grungy Neanderthals standing next to the dazzling woman. Quite right, Pa humphed. It'll be grunt duty for y'all. I'll send word to Helga. She'll be expecting you as soon as you've eaten lunch in the galley. Ash was appalled. Helga? Couldn't we have detention with Dr. Lovekin or, or, or Sloppy Joe? Helga. Pa's curly gray hair bounced as he emphasized the word. We'll assign you grunt duty. Now, go on, get. Groaning, Ash and the carnivores shuffled out of the grand yurt and left Kirby and the other kids standing there. Grunt duty? Kirby questioned. We're letting them off with chores? We've sent kids home for lesser offenses. Kirby, do not lecture me on letting someone off easy, Pa snapped. Kirby held his tongue. I understand you're upset. I am too. Had this been earlier, I most certainly would have sent those boys home. But camp is nearly over, and making arrangements this late in the summer is simply not worth it. We'll keep a close eye on them and give them a strict curfew. Kirby stared straight ahead. Yes, Pa. Ma walked over and gave Gavin a hug. It's good to have you back. She looked over the kids. Will any of you be needing a checkup from Dot? I can have her come immediately while I grab you food from the galley. I think we're okay, thanks, Bo said. And how about your dinos? Pa said, crouching down to rub Buck and the triplets' heads. Surprisingly, none of them nipped at him, but rather grumbled their dino speak and wagged their tails. You'd think we'd gone on a quick nature walk, Zeta said, nodding to them. It's been at least a few hours since they fought. Before she could finish, all three of the Triceratopses locked horns and started growling. Pa laughed. Never do moment, is there? After a few seconds, his tone turned serious as he looked back at Gavin. Are we to expect more of these lonely excursions, son? Gavin thought for a moment and briefly glanced at his friends. No. Are we sure? Sure. Good. Then welcome back. I will say, after observing your wilderness survival skills myself, I was confident you were getting along just fine. Even so, we were worried, Ma added curtly. We expect you to stay within camp for the rest of your stay. Gavin wasn't safe out there, Bo interjected. Everyone looked at him. We ran into tribal warriors. They almost took Buck, and if it weren't for Gavin, we all might have gotten killed. Kirby and Pa exchanged an uncomfortable look. Tribal warriors, you say? Pa said, holding his glance with Kirby before turning back to Bo. We know there are tribal people out there in the jungle, Zeta said. They've been leaving warnings posted on the trees. And we know they want Buck, Bo said. Buck nuzzled up to him, his tongue hanging out the side of his mouth. What's going on out there? Who are these people and why do they want Buck? Paul rubbed his thin goatee thoughtfully. Look, kids, Kirby started. 
No, 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 it's all right, Kirby, Pa said, waving him away. These youngsters have been through a lot. They deserve to know what's going on. He leaned against the table and held onto his green suspenders. The Bakuza tribe has been here ever since we set up camp. I don't need to go into a full history. All you need to know is that they're an ancient people who have settled a part of the jungle nearby. Since discovering that we have dinos in our camp, they made it their mission to take them from us. Bowen Zeta's jaws dropped. Gavin, as usual, looked like he was sitting through a long, boring movie. As I've told you before, Pa said, Buck here is very, very special. A very rare dinosaur. He may hold some spiritual significance for the Bakuza. We don't know for sure, but with his bright colors and incredible strength, there's no surprise he's become a hot item here in the jungle. What about the blue? Bo asked. We keep seeing it everywhere, and they tried to prick Buck with it. Ma and Pa looked at each other even more surprised. Pa nodded at Ma. The blue, she explained, is a toxic Bakuza mixture we have yet to decode. It is one of their deadliest weapons. From what we can gather, it appears to be some combination of botrocotoxin extracted from the blue dart frogs and venom from a Cynornithosaurus. You have Cynornithosauruses here? Bo's eyes nearly popped out of his head as he imagined the venomous feathered dinosaur. Where? We don't carry that species, Ma clarified. In fact, we refuse to. It's too risky. But it is a species we believe the Bakuza have in their possession, because there are active traces of its venom in the blue. The poison from the dart frogs is known to cause paralysis and even death. The combination of the two makes for an extremely potent weapon. They mix it at different levels of toxicity, Pa said. Sometimes the dose is high and a single prick could kill instantly. Other times it's just enough to stun a living creature long enough for them to carry it off. So that's what happened to you, Bo said, looking at Kirby. When we saw Boom carrying you through the jungle that day and your shirt was stained blue, you'd been stuck by a non-lethal dose of the blue. Kirby shifted uncomfortably. The blue is something we've all had to deal with at some point, Pa continued. Lethal or not, we don't like to take our chances, and signs of it around camp and around y'all is troubling. That's why we're doing everything in our power to keep the Bakuza at bay. We've ordered Boom to heighten security around the perimeter, and I can assure you that despite what you've seen beyond those gates, you're all safe within our care. Should I tell Helga to hold off on her preparations for the tournament? Kirby asked. Certainly not, Pa said. But with the Bakuza closing in, the tournament stands, Pa said firmly. We've never missed a year, and I'm not about to have some agitated tribe ruin the climax of our camp experience. Nah, the tournament bell will ring in two days. You can count on it. Kirby glanced at Ma, who didn't look quite as confident or comfortable with the idea. Now you dynamites, Pa lightened his tone and looked at the kids. Why don't y'all grab some grub from the galley and run on down to the oasis with the rest of your sleep trees, hmm? The kids nodded and ushered their dinos out of the yurt. After stuffing their faces with Sloppy Joe's special of the day, 
Bo, Zeta, and Gavin changed into their swimsuits and headed for the oasis. Bo had to feed Buck 20 pancakes as they walked just to keep him from eating his shoes. The starving T-Rex was pouncing on every flapjack tossed to him, stopping only to share a few bites with Shoot, Toot, and Scoot. He growled every time the Triceratops' horns poked him in the face when he bent down to take another bite. The dinos chased pancakes all the way to the chute, where the kids grabbed tubes and floated down to the oasis. The second the swimming hole paradise came into view, Buck and the triplets bolted for the hot springs, jumped in, and started splashing around. Bo, Gavin, and Zeta set down their things and soaked in the neighboring hot spring. Bo couldn't believe how amazing the hot, bubbling water felt. He was achy and sore all over from the bumpy ride through the jungle and the long hike back to camp. After a couple of minutes in the hot spring, his muscles relaxed. His head slumped back on a wet rock as he practiced Dr. Sky's long, deep breaths. Wow, this felt amazing. He didn't even mind the stinky sulfurous steam billowing up around him. Pa wasn't kidding about the beefed up security, Zeta said. She nodded to Boom, who was patrolling the swimming hole, weapons in hand, glaring into the trees. There were a few other security guards they hadn't seen before, marching through the trees with weapons. None of them looked half as intimidating as Boom. Boom looked like an entire army crammed into a single man. Not even the monkeys dared approach the giant, bald Brazilian. The sun gleaming off his wet, bald head served as a warning to any monkey that dared to approach him. Bo opened his eyes and looked at him. He wished they'd had Boom with them when they were being chased down by an ape wave. The guy could have stopped it with a single glare. One brave little monkey ran down a tree and reached for one of Boom's hand grenades, but froze when Boom suddenly turned on a bush, tackled it, and then stomped on it repeatedly. <laughs> the petrified monkey slowly retracted its hand and then bolted back up the tree. Bo turned his attention to the other kids playing in the natural pools. There was a pterodactyl fanning a group of sunbathing girls with its flapping wings, and a group of kids using the tall fin of a spinosaurus as a volleyball net in the pool. They laughed as they swam around and hit the ball back and forth. Dr. Lovekin, the resident lifeguard, even seemed to be enjoying himself. He sat perched up in his bamboo chair, sipping on a drink in a coconut cup. His hog, Cutie Pie, kept jumping into the pool every time Lovekin tossed a treat into the water. A couple times, the fat pig splashed down on an unexpected kid. Watch it! One of the kids shouted. Kitty Pie gonna jump where she won't! Lovekin spat, tossing more treats into the water. Bo wished he could have a good time like everyone else. He wished he could just let go and slide down the rock slides or swing out over the water on vines. But after everything they'd just been through, everything they'd just heard... Having fun just didn't seem possible. It also didn't seem right that they'd be continuing with the tournament in a couple of days. There's no way it was safe for a bunch of kids and undertrained dinosaurs to run around an obstacle course in the middle of the jungle right now. The Bakuza could easily pick them off with blue darts or spears. You okay? 
Zeta bumped shoulders with him. Bo snapped out of it. Huh? Well, yeah, I'm good. You don't look it. I'm fine. Zeta turned to Gavin. So how exactly did you survive out there all by yourself? Gavin laid back, his eyes closed behind his sunglasses, looking cooler than a rock star. I don't know, just wasn't stupid. Wow, how insightful, Zeta said sarcastically. Gavin sighed. Made some tools, made a fire, shelter, and hunted. No biggie. Ah, that's a biggie, Bo corrected. That was you holding that big deer over your shoulders that one night, right? Gavin nodded. It's one of my better kills. Some nights I had to live off of giant crickets. Gross, Zeta and Bo said. Gavin smiled. Not so bad cooked, but the few I ate raw were a little tricky. They tickled their tongue on the way down. Bo started to gag. Oh, stop! That's nasty! More filling than some of the edible plants I ate. Man, you're hardcore, Zeta said, shaking her head. Were you ever scared? Gavin thought for a second, then shrugged. Behind him, Tuku, dressed in four swimsuits, three boy trunks and one girl's top, was creeping up on them and reaching for their pile of clothes. Zeta noticed him just in time. Oh no you don't! She splashed water at him and the chubby monkey retreated, howling angrily at her. Does that punk ever sleep? And he's still wearing my stolen necklace. Is that? Gavin lifted his sunglasses and squinted at the handle poking up out of Tuku's three-layered swim trunks. My knife! He started to get up, but Tuku quickly sprang into the trees. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get that monkey. Maybe we could follow him back to his stash one of these days, Bo suggested. Hmm. Not a bad idea, Zeta said, returning to soak her feet in the hot spring. Bo sat up. So, what I don't get is why do these Bakuza people want our dinosaurs? What are they going to do with them? Eat them, Zeta said. What? Come on. What? It's possible. They make poison out of dinosaur and frog venom. Plus, this crazy jungle boy over here ate giant crickets, so why not? Bo shook his head. No, it's gotta be something else. There's plenty of other food to hunt in the jungle, as our beloved dung bomber knows. Don't say beloved, Gavin mumbled. They're up to something, Bo trailed off. You're worrying too much, Zeta said. She stood up and pulled Bo out of the hot spring. Come on, you need to have some fun. You too, jungle boy. She yanked Gavin out as well. She pulled them over to the top of the long rock slide above the biggest waterfall. You go first, she told Gavin. Whatever. Gavin slid down on his feet and then did an insane flip into the pool. Bo stared down at him blankly. Why am I not surprised? Zeta helped her triplet slide down next. Whee! She gave Shoot a push and the orange triceratops gleefully squealed as he spun down the slide. Toot was next. He slid down backwards, letting out one long fart that lasted the entire length of the slide. 
All the surrounding kids scrunched their faces in disgust. Lastly, Zeta tried to push Scoot down, but she wasn't budging. The pudgy dino held onto the top of the slide for dear life. Oh, fine, you big sissy. Zeta scooped her up, put her on her lap, and whoosh, splash. Come on, Zeta called to Bo once she surfaced. Let's see it. Bo felt his knees get weak as he stared down the tall slide. He closed his eyes and let out a long breath. He remembered climbing the boulder with Zeta and how much scarier that was than this. Here goes. He crossed his arms over his chest and flew down the slide. On his way down, bubbles started to surface in the pool. Kids were starting to cheer. A shadow grew under the water. Oh no. Bo noticed it too late. He tried to stop himself, but the slide was too slick. Zoom, splash, whoosh. Right as he splashed down, he felt something catch him and lift him out of the water. Whoa! Bo found himself clinging to the massive head of the giant plesiosaur as it raised its long neck out of the water. Let me down, Bubbles! Let me go! He could feel the vibrations in his legs as the aquatic dinosaur moaned. <laughs> Way to go, Bo! Zeta cheered from below. The other kids cheered along with her. Bubbles suddenly jerked his head and sent Bo flipping through the air. Everyone cheered and clapped until... Smack! Bo belly flopped hard on the water. Ooh! Everyone cringed at the sound. With a roar, Buck dove into the water and swam to Bo's rescue. Tucking his head under one of Bo's arms, he helped him swim over to the edge of the pool. <coughs> oh, thanks, Buck, Bo said painfully. The T-Rex licked him over and over and whined. I'm okay, I'm okay. He waddled out of the pool with a belly redder than a watermelon. Gavin and Zeta tried to hide their laugh. Laugh it up, Bo said. Laugh it up. On their way back from the oasis, Zeta and Gavin kept randomly bursting into fits of giggles every time they relived Bo's belly flop in their mind. Everyone was all, yay, smack, ooh, Zeta laughed. Even Bubbles winced, Gavin chuckled. Yeah, yeah, Bo smiled himself. Now that the pain wasn't so sharp, he could appreciate how hilarious it must have looked. They stepped into their tubes and floated down the chute. After a few turns and shallow drops, they passed by Helga as she and a few other counselors worked on the obstacle course for the tournament. She was shouting commands to Ash and his carnivores who were carrying big, heavy logs for her. That is not a whole tree, she barked at Ash. Come on, lift with your legs. Ash's legs trembled as he struggled to lift the heavy log and carry it over to Helga. His goons struggled to do the same. Bo felt bad for them. The logs looked heavy and it was hot outside. The boys were covered in sweat. For a split second, Ash met eyes with Bo when he came back for another load and glared at him before lifting another log. Quickly, Helga barked. We don't have all day. The sun is starting to set. 
the scene vanished behind a fern as Bo floated further down the chute. A few lazy turns later, the kids hopped out and made their way to their sleep trees to change for dinner. Dr. Rex stopped Bo as he passed the bone yurt. Hey, Bo! Mind giving me a hand? Dr. Rex's sleeves were rolled up and he was fanning himself with his hat. Ah, uh, sure. Bo ushered Buck into the yurt and followed Dr. Rex to the back of the class. Yeah, Buck, I got something for ya. Dr. Rex pulled a big bone out of a bag and threw it across the room. Tail wagging, Buck leaped over desks and pounced on the bone. When he returned with it clenched between his teeth, Dr. Rex gave him a pat. Ha! I knew that'd do the trick. First time he hasn't nipped at me, and all it took was an elephant bone. Thought you'd like that. Dr. Rex rubbed the top of Buck's head, and Buck purred. Is this why you called us in here? Bo asked. Actually, I was wondering if you could hold those ropes tight while I fasten these logs to him. Dr. Rex led him to a couple of ropes laying on the ground that were attached to a series of logs. One end of the ropes was tied to a pair of triceratops bones on the wall. Bo bent down and grabbed the other end of the ropes and pulled them tight, making the row of attached logs lift off the floor. What is this? Dr. Rex started tightening the logs. Can't you tell? It's a log rope bridge. It's for the obstacle course. They're tricky to cross, especially with a dino. Probably not supposed to let you see it, but I trust you won't tell the other kids. I don't think it'd do any good, Bo said, looking it over. We're all going to trip on it anyway. That's the spirit. Dr. Rex tightened the last log and let it go. All right, you can set her down. Thanks, Bo. No problem, Bo said, setting down the ropes. Crikey, look at that sunburn. You need sunscreen, mate. Bo looked down at his red belly. Actually, I belly flopped at the oasis. This is basically Bubbles doing. Dr. Rex laughed. It's always a party with that dino. Say, before you run along, mind grabbing me a root beer out of the back shed? It's the one with the windows. Grab one for yourself while you're at it. Sure. Bo took Buck and went outside and around the boat yurt to the shed. He stopped. There were two sheds. One had windows and one didn't. Bo couldn't remember if Dr. Rex had said with windows or without. He almost turned around to go back and check, but Buck was already biting at the door handle on the one without windows. So he walked over and opened the door. The inside of the shed was dark and musty. There were big spider webs in the corners, and vines had grown through the cracks in the roof and were winding down the walls. Bo looked down at Buck. He couldn't find a better place to keep soda? Yikes. Buck grunted. Bo started scanning over the shelves looking for bottles, but all he saw were tools and dinosaur skeletons. Uh, I think we're in the wrong shed, Buck. Let's go. <laughs> Buck was sniffing over a blanket. Buck, come on! Bo clapped, but Buck just kept sniffing. Bo grabbed a rake off the wall, rubbed the top of Buck's head with the stick end, and then drew a line out of the shed. Buck, out of the shed! 
Buck was growling now. He chomped onto the blanket and started thrashing it. <coughs> what are you? Bo stopped just inside the door as Buck pulled back the blanket. Beneath it was a big lumpy bag. Bo stared at it curiously. Back, Buck. He nudged Buck away from the bag and crouched down next to it. I've seen this, he whispered to himself. It was the sack he'd seen slung over Boom's shoulder when he was helping Kirby back from the jungle. That was when they'd seen blue stains on Kirby's tank top. <coughs> Buck growled loudly from the corner of the shed. He was not happy with whatever was in the bag. Slowly, Bo opened it and looked inside. What the... Carefully, he pulled out a dinosaur egg. <coughs> Buck whined and then sniffed it. Bo turned the egg over in his hands. It was completely intact. He put it back in the bag and then pulled out another one. This one had a greenish tint to its shell. It too was unhatched. It was warm and heavy. He felt something wiggle inside. The sudden movement almost made him drop it. Bow, came Dr. Rex's voice. You find those rubies? Uh, coming! Bo quickly stuffed the egg back into the sack that was full of dinosaur eggs, threw the blanket over it, and ran to the other shed. The second Dr. Rex emerged from the bone yurt, Bo was leaving the other shed with a cold bottle of root beer in either hand. Sorry, Bo said. Buck was getting into stuff. He handed Dr. Rex a root beer. I better get changed for dinner. Thanks for the drink. He whistled for Buck to follow and started quickly walking away. Dr. Rex watched him go curiously. Thanks for your help, mate, he said, raising his bottle. Taking a swig, he looked back at the two sheds and froze. The door to the windowless shed was left open. Rocketeers, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Camp Dino. I want to give some shout outs to some very special patrons Ben from Montreal, Canada, Heather, Willow, and Grim from Spokane, Washington. Thank you so much for your support. Morgan and Tracy and their son Benji. I hope I'm allowed to share this feedback. It was too good not to share. But they said, my two and a half year old son was pulling my wife around by the drawstring of her pants during a hike and yelling, come on, Buck, and let's go, Buck. (laughs) 
This is awesome. And he really immerses himself in whatever story we are listening to at the moment, and the imagination often persists well past the end of the story. Our local park has a pirate ship-shaped playground, and it is now known as the Jolly Leafer Playground. Oh, that is so cool. Thank you for sharing that experience. The Jolly Leafer Playground, what an awesome name. And a great tribute to Winglings and the Willow Tree, one of my personal favorites. Rocketeers, you got to check it out. If you haven't listened to Winglings, check it out. You'll know what the Jolly Leafer is all about. I also want to give a shout out to Garrett and Aaron from Ontario. Thank you so much for your support. And I love, I love, I love all the messages you are all sending Anya sent me a picture of Zeta and Shoot Toot and Scoot. Love the picture, Anya. It's amazing. So good. So good. And now I'm going to read a review from Apple Podcasts. This one's from Becca. It says, we can't get enough of the Purple Rocket. This podcast is a huge hit in our house and in the car. Every time we get in the car, it's like, Mom, can we please listen to the Purple Rocket? I've shared this podcast with so many friends. We love the enthusiasm, incredible storytelling, and variety of characters. We are eager to listen to every episode and look forward to more to come. Digger and Camp Dino have been our favorites so far. We love every episode and get excited when there's a new one to listen to. Love it, Becca. I'm so glad you guys are enjoying the stories and enthusiasm. You know, it's not the first time I've heard that feedback. I apparently get really into this, in case you haven't noticed. So that's uh, the enthusiasm is definitely there. It's definitely there. Rocketeers, thank you so much, so much for listening, for your support. If you're looking for a way to support the show, go to patreon.com and become a patron. It starts at $2 a month for the lowest tier of patron. You can get ad-free episodes. From there, as you kind of tier up, you can get bonus episodes, uh, special messages in your favorite characters' voices. Anyway, check it out, patreon.com slash Podcast. And I love the feedback. Don't hesitate to reach out at purplerocketpodcast at gmail.com or on the contact form on the website. Like the review says, share with your friends. I love that, Becca. Thank you so much for sharing uh, the podcast with those around you. That is the ultimate compliment. Share the podcast with your friends. Uh, share your experience on Apple reviews. I love it. Thank you so much for your support. And be sure, as always, to tune in next time for an all-new episode. Till next time, Rocketeers, this is your host, Greg Webb.